Welcome to English Through History. If you enjoyed the content, please subscribe or leave us a review. It helps us to create more podcasts and is appreciated by our small team here. Vlad III, also known as Vlad the Impaler, is one of history's darkest rulers. Cruel, cunning, and terrifying to cross, he ruled a harsh land surrounded by enemies throughout his life. Later, he is connected to the fictional character of Dracula and his legend group. In today's episode, we'll examine the origins of the man, how his legend grew beyond his exploits, the world he inhabited, and dispel some of the more prevalent myths. The lead-up to the birth of Vlad the Impaler in the early 15th century was marked by political turbulence in the region of Wallachia, a principality located in what is now modern-day Romania. Vlad III was born around 1431 into a complex political landscape that significantly influenced the course of his life and reign. During the 14th and 15th centuries, the Ottoman Empire, under leaders like Murad II and Mehmed II, sought to expand its influence into Eastern Europe. Wallachia found itself situated at the forefront of the Ottoman threat, and local rulers had to navigate a delicate balance between resistance and appeasement. Vlad's father, Vlad II Dracul, was an important figure in this geopolitical context. Vlad's mother is believed to be a noblewoman. Vlad's father sought to secure the loyalty of the Ottoman Empire to maintain stability in Wallachia. This loyalty was often expressed through the payment of tribute and sending of Wallachian nobility as hostages to the Ottoman court. The internal politics of Wallachia were characterized by power struggles amongst the local nobility, each vying for the throne. Vlad II faced challenges to his rule from rival factions within Wallachia, leading to periods of exile and reinstatement. These internal conflicts had a direct impact on young Vlad III's upbringing and early exposure to political instability. Vlad II was a member of the Order of the Dragon, a chivalric order established to defend Christian Europe against the Ottoman Turks. The order played a role in shaping his political outlook and alliances. The Order of the Dragon, officially known as the Society of the Dragonists, was a chivalric order founded in 1408 by Sigismund of Luxembourg, then King of Hungary and later the Holy Roman Emperor. The purpose of the order was to defend Christianity against the Ottoman Turks and protect the interests of Eastern Europe. The name Order of the Dragon likely derived from the dragon symbol associated with St. George, the patron saint of soldiers and chivalry. Members of the Order of the Dragon included European monarchs, princes and high-ranking nobility. It was an exclusive and prestigious order. The title Dracul itself, born by Vlad II and then subsequently by Vlad III, is derived from the Latin word draco, meaning dragon, a reference to their membership in the Order of the Dragon. Despite his membership in the Order, Vlad II's political decisions were often pragmatic, involving negotiations with both the Ottomans and the Hungarians to maintain a semblance of autonomy for Wallachia. Vlad III spent a significant part of his early life as a hostage in the Ottoman court, an experience that exposed him to the intricacies of Ottoman politics and likely influenced his later attitudes towards the Ottoman Empire. 
1442, when Vlad was around 11 years old, his father sent him and his younger brother Radu to the Ottoman court as hostages. This was a common practice of the time to secure political alliances and prevent Wallachian rulers from rebelling against the Ottoman Empire. Vlad spent several years in captivity, experiencing in the intricacies of Ottoman politics and witnessing the harsh realities of court life. Little is known about Vlad's formal education, but as a member of the nobility, he would have received training appropriate for his status. His time in the Ottoman court would have exposed him to different cultures, languages and political ideologies. In 1447, Vlad II was assassinated, and his death is believed to be the result of political betrayal. His political adversaries, with potential backing from rival factions or external powers, may have played a role in his downfall. Hungary played a crucial role in the politics of Wallachia during this period. The Hungarian monarchy, being larger, often intervened in Wallachian affairs supporting rulers who aligned with Hungarian interests. Vlad III eventually returned to Wallachia and took the throne in 1448 with the support of Hungarian forces. However, his rule was short-lived and he was forced into exile. He regained the throne again in 1456, again with Hungarian support, and continued to resist Ottoman expansion in the region. The political environment during Vlad III's formative years contributed to his understanding of power dynamics and the importance of maintaining a strong defence against external threats. His experiences with both Ottoman captivity and Hungarian-backed attempts to regain power shaped his leadership style, and this was marked by a fierce determination to resist Ottoman dominance and assert Wallachian autonomy. Vlad III was a complex ruler. He blended cruelty with national security concerns. Using fear, he employed tactics that terrified his opponents and allowed him a psychological advantage over the Ottoman Turks, which were his sworn enemy. Vlad III harbored a deep-seated hatred for the Ottoman Turks, likely influenced by his time as a hostage in the Ottoman court during his youth. His rule was marked by fierce resistance against the Ottoman Empire's expansion into Wallachia. Militarily, Vlad III employed guerrilla warfare and scorched-earth tactics to resist the Ottoman forces. He engaged in campaigns of psychological warfare, such as leaving fields of impaled bodies to intimidate the enemy, this notorious method of execution was impalement, where victims were skewered on long, sharp stakes. This gruesome practice was used as a means of instilling fear amongst his enemies and maintaining control over the population. It is estimated that thousands of people were impaled during his rule. Most notably was the Forest of the Impaled, in which, allegedly, Turkish soldiers entered a town and discovered thousands of impaled Ottoman soldiers and this left them shaken and horrified. When it came to internal management, Vlad III is often credited with taking measures against corruption within his administration. He punished corrupt officials severely, reinforcing his image as a ruler who valued discipline and order. Vlad III implemented a strict legal code that aimed at maintaining order and punishing criminal activities. His punishments were notoriously harsh, including impalement, for a wide range of offences. Vlad III's rule was characterised by multiple periods of ascension and deposition. 
He first ruled in 1448, then regained the throne in 1456 with Hungarian support and was finally overthrown in 1462. His rule was marked by political instability and constant struggles for power. Vlad III spent several years in exile and sought support from various external powers, including Hungary, to regain his throne. His alliances and conflicts with neighbouring states were complex and dynamic. One of his final and most important military campaigns was fought against the Ottoman advance in 1462. Facing an impending Ottoman invasion led by Sultan Mehmed II, Vlad III adopted scorched earth tactics. He ordered the destruction of crops, poisoning of wells and the burning of villages to deprive the Ottoman army of resources and create a hostile environment. He engaged in guerrilla warfare using hit and run tactics to harass and weaken the Ottoman forces. His goal was to avoid direct confrontation with a larger and better equipped Ottoman army. Knowing this, psychological warfare became more and more important. One of the most famous episodes of Vlad III's campaign against the Ottomans in 1462 is the night attack on the Ottoman camp. According to historical accounts, Vlad III and a, group of, a small group of soldiers infiltrated the Ottoman camp at night, creating chaos and confusion. The night attack itself resulted in significant casualties amongst the Ottoman forces and contributed to the psychological warfare tactics employed by Vlad III. Vlad III's scorched earth tactics and guerrilla warfare pose logistical challenges for the Ottoman army. The lack of resources and the hostile environment affected the effectiveness of Mehmed II's campaign. Faced with difficulties in sustaining a prolonged campaign in Wallachia and potential threats elsewhere, Sultan Mehmed II eventually decided to withdraw his forces, awarding a victory for Vlad and his forces. While Vlad III's resistance did not permanently halt Ottoman expansion, it significantly disrupted Mehmed II's campaign and slowed down the Ottoman advance in the region. Uh, we can't talk about Vlad III without addressing the moniker of Impaler, especially as questions as to why did he do it and, and were the numbers accurate? Historically, there is little doubt that he did indeed impale his victims. We spoke earlier about the psychological impact of that method on advancing Ottoman soldiers, and to some degree the specific choice made by him to use impalement as a form of psychological warfare. Cruel, yes, but on some level understandable. Against an overwhelming force, any advantage would be useful. It served as both deterrent and to inspire fear. However, he didn't just use impalement on military enemies. Vlad was known to impale civilians as well. During his rule, he implemented strict laws, and any violation could result in severe punishment, including impalement. This harsh approach extended to common people, and Vlad was not hesitant to use extreme measures to maintain order. He also used this method against political rivals and disloyal nobility within Wallachia. This included members of the boyer class, the nobility of the region. Wallachia had a feudal social structure and Vlad was part of the ruling elite. The boyars, or nobility, held significant influence in the region. Vlad's relationship with the boyars was often contentious, as he sought to consolidate power and control over both the nobility and the peasantry. 
Vlad aimed to strengthen the central authority of the Wallachian state. His methods, including the brutal punishment of the boyars and other perceived threats, were part of a strategy to assert control and reduce the influence of powerful noble families. This was done to establish a more centralized form of governance. The use of brutal punishment served as a tool for population control, and instilled fear amongst the people and discouraging dissent and rebellion. Finally, uh, we can also address the comparison between Vlad and Dracula, the fictional vampire created by Bram Stoker. How much of uh, this character is inspired by Vlad II? So aside from the obvious similarities in terms of geographical location and setting, Dracula being from Transylvania in central Romania, there aren't that many similarities between the two people. Bram Stoker is said to have drawn inspiration from the historical figure Vlad the Impaler when choosing a name for his vampire character, Count Dracula. The use of Vlad's name and certain historical details added a layer of historical and cultural symbolism to the fictional narrative. In fact, Stoker incorporated elements of Eastern European folklore, superstition and horror into his novel, creating a gothic tale of fear and supernatural intrigue. Stoker himself never associated Vlad with Dr Dracula directly, instead drawing inspiration from a variety of sources, mythical, supernatural and historical. Typically, Gothic horrors inspired Stoker, works like Frankenstein, for example, and often they contain elements like brooding castles, foreboding mountains and supernatural elements. The fact that Vlad the Impaler lived amongst these elements, no doubt, helps to create the connection between the novel and the reality. To conclude, we can dispel some of the myths around Vlad the Impaler. Vlad III has inspired many fictional accounts related to his rule and behaviour. The nature of his reign and the type of warfare he used often helped to contribute to his legend, and exaggerations are common. Some of the most common are uh, that he used to drink the blood of his enemies. In fact, during my research, there's no account that mentions this at all. In fact, one of the many associations with the fictional Dracula uh, that was made post the publication of the novel is this. So once Dracula was published, uh, Vlad III uh, was said to be also drinking the blood of his enemies, but I found no uh, evidence for this at all. The second common one is being able to shapeshift or take the form of an animal. Again, of course, this seems somewhat embellished uh, and any connection to the supernatural is of course without historical evidence. His night raids, however, did inspire fear amongst the Ottomans and possibly the associated soldiers appearing out of nowhere uh, did seem to be supernatural in origin rather than clever guerrilla warfare tactic. Again, his connection to the fictional Dracula also helped these myths to stick. There's no doubt that Vlad III ruled a harsh land and was a harsh ruler. If we look back to the standards of modern times, these can seem cruel and even sadistic. However, the period of the time and the circumstances created this behavior as much as the man himself.